Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. So, uh, if you can turn to Luke chapter 17, verse 32, this will not be on the screen, but uh, I could read it before you even get to it, probably. Luke 17, verse 32, the Bible records these words, and this will be my subject matter for the next few moments. Remember Lot's wife. You can't get any shorter than that than Jesus wept. All right? So, remember Lot's wife hallelujah will you help me right now as we go to the lord in prayer father i come to you this evening i'm thankful lord for your spirit thankful god for your people lord that diligently come to the house of god and they give of themselves they give their resources they give of their time they give of their attention god for the purpose and the work of the lord i pray oh god today the lord enrich us through your word help us god by your word god for the moment of time that we're here tonight as we're passing through in this journey of praise and worship. I pray, oh God, our hearts would be renewed, our minds would be refreshed, that we would be able to take some golden truths of your word and God invest them in our lives, Lord, and we'll thank you, Lord Jesus, and we will praise you for it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray tonight. Amen and amen. Let's give a great hand clap to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. God, we love you, Jesus. We honor you, Lord. We praise you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. I honor you, God. I honor you, God. Great, oh, great is our God. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Remember, look at your neighbor. Tell him, remember Lot's wife. If we were just to look at the calendar in a year's time that uh, you will discover that there are certain days set aside to honor people. There are a few days every year that schools and banks and government offices and many places of employment are closed for the birthdays of the such like George Washington's birthday, Abraham Lincoln's birthday. Martin Luther King's birthday, Columbus Day. There are other holidays upon our very own calendar that we observe every year in honor of of some of them. Independence Day and Labor Day, Veterans Day in November and Memorial Day. Furthermore, uh, there are many cities across the United States that have various monuments in honor of some great man or perhaps a great woman who performed some skill or some job that led uh, some great cause that changed the shape of the world in which we live. Men's lives will always be seemingly preserved on the pages of biographies so that those who want can find inspiration in leading in reading them and seeing what their contribution was to life, what their contribution was to history. And just because the lives of men in uh, the secular history are important, I believe there are lives that are faceted in Scripture that are important as well, that should somehow prevail upon our hearts and upon our minds who have had some type of uh, part in church history, if you will. 
uh, that should be deemed and esteemed as very important to you and I. I would encourage us as a church that we would remember some of the great patriarchs of old, that we would remember our Abraham and our Isaacs and our Jacob, that we would revere and respect some prophets of old, the Nathans, the Elijahs, the Elishas, the Isaiahs, uh, the weeping Jeremiahs, the apostles that we have recorded in New Testament scripture of the acts and the contributions, if you will, of Paul and the apostle Peter, of John the beloved and his contribution to our life, James and many others, martyrs of this great truth that I believe also could use to be in the steam, the Stephens and the 11 other apostles and a host of other people that we could give time and attention to that have marked the life and the history of the church very well. They are worthy and should be, uh, if you will, taken to a place of praise and appreciation for uh, the road that they have dug out for you and I. And if we were to have time, we could begin to speak of people perhaps even within our own assembly as years have gone by, great patriarchs and matriarchs of the faith that have been a part of the first apostolic church that I believe that we could respect. We could uh, go to the founding pastor of this assembly, the brother and sister Corbett's and the contributions that they made to allow us to arrive where we are today here in the city of Mount Carmel with the facilities that we have. It was because of a dream and a vision of a man and of a woman that had in their heart. But whenever Jesus told his disciples to remember Lot's wife, it comes as a startling command to the disciples that were sitting there that day. And the reason why it was so startling is because this was the only person recorded in scripture that Jesus had ever told anyone to remember. We'll never see the recorded words of the Lord saying, remember David or remember Moses or remember Bartholomew. Yet he takes time, amen, perhaps with bated breath to tell his disciples and look them in their eyes and say, there's someone that for sure I don't want you to forget, but you need to remember Lot's wife. He didn't tell them to remember in the Old Testament giants of faith. He, he didn't mention any patriarchs, if you will, any heroes, any nobles. He just wanted his disciples to remember someone who started but did not make it. The thing that he wanted embranded in their mind is I want you to remember a lady who had a good start who had a good intention, but fell short of the go, fell short of the mark. He was commanding us and them to remember her. And we got to ask ourselves, what is there to remember about this woman? I mean, when you look back to remember things in the lives of people, invariably there are historical associations. Uh, invariably there are notable things that surround them that make them notable, that make them worth 
if you will, remembering. We could think about World War II and a flood of information starts to come to our minds. If anybody is a history buff, there's some things that you can start to correlate in your mind. We can begin to talk about uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt and perhaps you can start to uh, compile some things or Dwight Eisenhower or Douglas MacArthur or George Patton or Winston Churchill. And when I mention some of those names, some of you have access to a database of your mind to be able to remember what was notable about these people. When we began to talk about medicine and the world of medicine, you can run across names like William Fleming who discovered penicillin and say, well, there, that makes his mark on the pages of the medical records of time. Or Jonas Slack who invented the polio vaccine. Or Carla Barton and Florence Nightingale who influenced the American Red Cross. Here's, here's their notable deed. This is their contribution. This is what they did for the profession of nursing. All great people are somewhat defined by the circumstances under which they were forced to contend with life. And yet we read there's other historical figures that we, we know when they are they were born and we know when they were dead and we know what they did on that space of time in between. Amen. And a lot of times uh, you can look back on history and it will give their name, it will give their good works, it may even give their evil deeds. Some are known for that, sadly. Amen. Their extraordinary devotion to God, maybe vile sinfulness. There's all kinds of different ways you can be remembered that people gain attention because of the actions or inactions of their lives. And when we get Sister Craig to Lot's wife, it appears that her birth, her past, her existence really means nothing much at all. There's never a identifier, a direct name given to Lot's wife. She's always known as Lot's wife. She's never given a for sure certain particular name. We know who Abraham's wife is. We know who Nahor's, Abraham's brother wife is, but Lot's wife, never identified. She makes her appearance in Genesis 19. She makes her exit in Genesis 19. It is all a once and for all appearance. We know nothing about her family. We know nothing about her habits. We know nothing about her friends. We know nothing about her background. How can we remember someone with such a vacuum of information about her? Seems like we're grappling for something more if this is to be someone to be remembered. If it's to be one that the Lord is saying, hey, if you're gonna remember anybody, please remember Lot's wife. Can I say today and just interject a little side note to what I'm talking about here this evening that the Bible, amen, makes some very important revelations through scripture and biblical history where there were unnamed characters that were very well known, not by their name, but just perhaps by who they were from or what their actions were. We read of the widow of Zarephath that helped sustain the prophet Elijah. We're never given a name about her either, but everybody, if they've read through the Bible ever or been any under any type of preaching ever, know about the widow of Zarephath. There's the woman, the Shunem woman who had the boy who died and was brought back to life. We, we really don't know, you know what her name was, but you know the instance. You know the scenario. We know the woman of Samaria in John 4 
that came out to the well and was asking for drink. And the Lord said, I'll give you some drink that you'll never thirst again. We don't know her name. But we know her instance in scripture and the Lord has many, many more throughout the gospels of unnamed people. But Lot's wife fills this category, if you will, of the unnamed. Amen. We never read of her in any of Lot's movements through the book of Genesis. We never read of her prior to going to Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. We never read of her prior to that as they exited Ur of Chaldees. We never read of her until this point of time of Genesis chapter number 19. Even in the conversation that Lot had with the angels who were telling him to leave the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, they do not mention. And the Lord's plea to his disciple is remember Lot's wife. In Genesis 19 and verse 12, if you want to go to Genesis 19, you may uh, this evening, there's a few verses that we'll touch on there. The Bible says, and the men said unto Lot, hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy daughters and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. He mentions Lot. He mentions his son-in-laws, his sons, his daughters. They're grappling for all of these things, but they never mention even Lot's wife. Maybe that's just summed up in the notion of there being Lot there, but she is not mentioned. She appears for the first time and the last time in a brief but very vivid picture in Genesis chapter 19 in a hurried event of them running from the city of Sodom and Gomorrah and while Lot is there and he seemingly cannot make up his mind he's lingering his feet are dragging he's somewhat hesitating the Bible even says scripture interjects into this tense statement in Genesis 19 we shared this this morning in verse 16 and while he lingered the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand now here she is of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters the Lord being merciful unto them they brought him forth and set him without the city and it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said escape for thy life look not behind thee neither stay thou in all the plain escape to the mountain lest thou be consumed and with these verses of scripture we already have half of the history we're supposed to remember about Lot's wife we might be able to remember this one Bishop you and I very vague but half the history has already been relayed in these two verses of scripture I mean, a lot of times there's a little bit, bit more detail, you know, to something. You know, sometimes something's mentioned, and even later in Scripture, there's a little bit more detail, a little bit more light, you know, shined upon a situation. But that's not the place here with Lot's wife. I mean, in the Old Testament Scripture, we learn about the Egyptian sorcerers, and then it's not until New Testament Scripture, and Paul writing to Timothy, that he gives the names of Janus and Jamboree, who were those people. You know, sometimes uh, you put the puzzle together and there it is. We read in, uh, in the scripture that, that we find in Jude telling us that there was a prophecy that Enoch gave. Now, we didn't read of that back in the Old Testament, but Jude shines some light upon that. We read also in the book of Jude uh, that he further tells us that there was a battle between Michael the archangel and the devil over Moses' body. Now, we don't read that in Deuteronomy whenever Moses didn't enter to the promised land, but we do in Jude. He fills us in. But that's not the case with Lot's wife. Someone say amen. 
There's no further details are given to us about what took place on that fateful day in Genesis 19, except the other half, if you will, of her history that's composed, encapsulated in a single verse of Genesis 19 and verse number 26. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Suddenly she appears in scripture and suddenly she disappears from scripture. She's almost like a fast moving cloud. She's just there for a moment and then it is gone. Disappeared, if you will, from the sky of human nature. Lot's wife had no beginning. She didn't have necessarily no great middle, but terrifying, fearful, there was an end. And the Bible speaks. There on the roadside leading to Zoar from Sodom and Gomorrah is a pillar of salt. That pillar of salt that has a fiery burning backdrop of two cities that are being destroyed by fire. And it is this pillar of salt and this lady who is composed of it that the Lord says, disciples, remember Lot's wife. Ladies and gentlemen, I think with those three words comes three lessons that could be taught. Three lessons that the Lord wanted his disciples to remember concerning a very short detailed, very short span, if you will, of a life. What I think one of the things was that Jesus wanted his disciples to remember concerning remember Lot's wife. One of those things I believe he wanted them to remember was this, is that Lot's wife was almost saved. I think the first lesson that they could derive from very, a very brief and short life in the story that is written in Genesis 19 of her incompletion, if they could take anything away from the memory of Lot's wife, they better remember that she was almost saved. Imagine with me for a moment, ladies and gentlemen, the warning that has come. She has responded to it. Notice the pattern that is that, that, that is in her life. She has the security of a home. She has a great warning that comes upon her. An approaching danger that is no doubt going to come. It's not some pipe dream. It is not some falsified idea that's made up, that's been shared with her to scare her. It was something that was going to happen. It was something that was going to take place. And look at the miraculous deliverance of the angels taking that family and setting them on the outskirts of the city and setting them in the direction that their path should go and where should they be going saving them if you will from instant death and here they are they're on their journey now to Zoar but can I say tonight that the pattern that was there is the pattern like many of us amen in life amen in the world play today and that is many times many times we get to a place and there's a word of warning people come in and there's given a word of warning and we're seeing the way the direction on how to get out how to leave the world behind how today is the day of salvation and now is the acceptable time here a while amen and then we will depart to repent and be converted amen and a thousand other variations Lot's wife is escaping 
Lot's wife is hearing the call. She's leaving Sodom behind. Zoar is in front of her. Zoar is her goal. Zoar is the place that she is fleeing to for safety and security. Amen. Hallelujah. If she never left Sodom, if she never left Gomorrah, she would have been nothing more but a suicide victim because she had the understanding what was going to take place. She had the understanding of what was going to happen. She would just have died there with her disbelief that it was ever going to happen. A suicide victim, if you will. But that's not the case with her. She started out on a path to safety. She started out on a path, if you will, to a place of refuge. And for that, the Lord said, boys, I want you to remember she had a good start. She had great intentions. She heeded a call and a warning, but she just did not follow through. She was almost saved. I believe there is a clarion cry from heaven in our generation that God is telling us as he told those ragtag group of disciples in that day, you need to remember Lot's wife. You need to remember that you can't just start a trip towards Zoar. You gotta finish your trip to Zoar. You just can't start a trip to refuge and start a trip to safety. You gotta finish your trip. You gotta more than just heed the warning. You gotta act upon the information that has been divulged to you. Remember! Lot's wife. She was almost saved. He's trying to keep those boys from falling into the same trap. Because there's something about in our society that promotes its own sense of salvation. It goes something like this. I go to work, pay my bills, I fulfill my responsibilities to my family. I go to church. I don't say bad words. I don't do bad things. I love my spouse and my kids. I'm not perfect. I slip up every once in a while, but I'm okay. The fact of the matter, none of that list I just gave to you are in of themselves true marks of a real conversion. True conversion means that you get on the road that's headed out of the world and there is such a focus about where you're headed and such a focus about where you're going. You do not look back. He told the old proverb, he said, any man that put his hand to the plow and looketh back is not fit for the kingdom of God. He says, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot look back because more than not, wherever you are looking, that is where you are heading. You cannot. There's a vast difference between being saved and almost saved. The Christian life, there has to be a steady advancement because nothing spiritual is in a state of neutral. Someone hear me? All right, my wife said too, so I shall. In the Christian life, there has to be a steady advancement because. Nothing spiritual is ever in a state of neutral. It's being stagnant. It's being malleable. It's being moldable. It's always Paul saying, I press toward the mark. 
Oh yeah, he was met with resistance. But if he was pressing against a still standing stone, he said, I'm pressing. He said, I'm pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. <laughs> Someone say amen. One of the old pulpit masters, he tells a parable of a high mountain that had a grand palace on the top of it. It was filled with all manner of treasure. It had gold, it had gems, it had exotic animals. Up the sides of the mountain, men and women were climbing to reach the top, but everyone who looked back was turned into stone. It's an old parable. There were thousands of evil spirits that were around them whispering and shouting at them. Worldly treasures singing songs to draw their eyes. Sister breeding away from the treasure at the top to make them look back can I tell us tonight that once you get started you cannot afford you cannot chance you cannot gamble on looking back remember Lot's wife she was almost saved as we discovered this morning it seems as though they were just feet away from getting their feet into the city of Zoar when she turns and looks back just a moment from her refuge, just a moment from her safety. But the call of where she had, where she had been was to her greater than the call than where she was going. He says, those disciples, remember Lot's wife. I think the number two lesson that's derived from those simple three words that he gave to his disciples of remember Lot's wife. Lesson number two that I believe he, they could derive from this was this. That she was almost saved. But she perished. From the memory of Lot's wife. Is that she was almost saved. But the fact is. She perished. I would dare to say there is a big difference also. Between the terminology of saying. That someone is almost saved. And also then saying that they were almost saved, but they perished. You may have a point of argument, perhaps, until you look a little closer. But if you will, this evening, consider a man who drowns in the ocean. After a ship sinks, he has no life jacket or life raft to save him. And then consider a man who drowns in the lake, but has a life jacket that he is not wearing. Could not reach a rope that someone has tossed out to him or decided not to even try. Makes a big difference, don't it? When you talk about being almost saved and almost saved and perishing and whether or not you had a choice in the matter and you do. Lot's wife escaped danger only to be swallowed up by another danger. It's like a traveler that's almost reaching the destination and some tragic event takes place and it ends it all prior to reaching the destiny. Someone say amen. Folks, 
if I can say it as humbly as possible, and as sadly as possible, tormenting our hearts and minds, that there will be men that will be lost in the very sight of heaven, with heaven in view. There'll be men who are lost. They've been convinced of the risk. They've been satisfied as to what the danger is. They moved to be saved from the danger. They're nearer home than they were yesterday. But they've looked over their shoulder. It was the looking back that finally got to them. I don't know if it was curiosity. I don't know if it's the what ifs that that went in their mind. I don't know if it was a lingering desire for what they once had of an old life. But it was the looking back, Brother DePriest, that capsized their soul on the sea that we call life. There is something about human nature. I, I wish it wasn't a part of us, but it is. Human nature sometimes just naturally desires their old ways. We desire our old habits. We desire our old sins and our old playgrounds and walk down old memory lanes, if you will. And, and far too many are willing to make a deal, if you will, with those memories. Far too many are willing to make a deal with that lifestyle and the enemy of their soul at very critical times. And most of the time, he's willing to make a bargain when you're closer to your new destiny. Somebody hear this preacher right now. Someone say yes. Oh, God. But you know, I need to give my spiritual, the rationale is, you know, I need to give my spiritual life a rest right now. Spiritual life needs a vacation of sorts. For a while, just for a while, just for a stint of time, I'm going to go back to some old ways. And I'm going to back, get back to some old habits and some old paths and some old ways. Of just, just a vice, if you will, for a short period of time. And, and then I'll come back. I, I know the path that I led off and I can follow that path back on my journey. Amen. But ladies and gentlemen, looking back is what destroyed Lot's wife. And it'll do the same for any man, woman, boy, or girl, Christian, however deeply entrenched we are in the things of God. Looking back will destroy your life as well ladies and gentlemen it was the leeks if you will in the garlic of Egypt amen that they were pining for amen as they were in the wilderness and were even on the breach if you will of their promise but ladies what and gentlemen what they needed to remember was the lashes of torment that came on their back that accompanied those leeks and accompanied that garlic if you will there are some ghosts there are some if you will things the spiritual disasters of our former life and while you you're remaining the remembering the pleasure of it the joy of it you need not to forget the sorrow and the affliction of it as well and yes we have our sorrow here and yes we have our affliction here but the joy and the grandeur that I experience on this side of the track eclipses every sorrow yes I'm like in the New Testament scripture when the man is speaking of that woman that's going through childbearing. She is in sorrow or pain. There's a lot of pain rivet in her body. But the Bible says when that child is born, there is joy that fills her heart that almost eclipses every sorrow that she felt. Why? Because all this sorrow is bringing something productive about. I'm going to give birth to a promise. I'm going to give birth to a future. Let me ask you, what is the pain and the sorrow of your Sodom and Gomorrah? What is it? 
it profiting? What is it bringing forth? What thing productive is it going to bring about in your life? At least as a child of God, the sorrow that I'm going through right now is making eternal weight of glory for me in my tomorrow. Remember Lot's wife. Hallelujah. Oh, someone say hallelujah. <laughs> the reality is we've cashed in sometimes. We've bought a share. And on this reality of looking back, it is our, in our folly that we have done so. Let me state it through the story of Lot's wife that you can perish right in the middle of your deliverance. You can perish right in the middle of your deliverance. You can backslide right in the middle of the outpouring of a revival. There can be others around you leaving with a heavenward focus and you can look back and I say this cautiously and be vaporized by hell. They looked back. There's many that's on this road that we're traveling that stand as monuments, or should they, at least, to us. There's many on this journey that we're traveling, if you, wait to, if you will, to our place of refuge and our place of hope and our place of security, our place of freedom, our place away from the wickedness and the despair of our Sodom and Gomorrah. And along that road, I would dare to say there are many monuments that are littered along that, that route that's telling me somebody looked back on their process and their progress toward where I'm headed. And what that monument should be telling me is that no doubt that person had their season of spiritual awakenings as well. That they had their moments of tears and prayer and spiritual vows and resolutions that they had made to God. That they had fought some of their own spiritual conflicts and they had some apparent revivals and they had some apparent victories along the way. Or I wouldn't be seeing this monument so close, if you will, to the end of this journey. Yet they were involved in spiritual conflicts with sin, yes, probably with self, yes. But in the end, they became memorials of their weakness and corruption and turned into what God left them to be. A pillar of salt and a reminder to you and I that we need to remember that the road to deliverance is loaded with pillars of salt along the way. Because those who do not consent to glorify God willingly will in the end become milestones of remembrance to other faithful travelers who make their way toward heaven disciples he says remember Lot's wife she was almost saved and she was almost saved but she perished and I'm closing tonight if you'll stand with me
there's one last thing perhaps that was a word to them was that her life is a warning it's a warning to you it's a warning to us with the scripture that I read you, to you tonight remember Lot's wife it's good to remember things within the context in which they were spoken this one is no different he said to them in Luke 17 and verse 26 he said as it was in the days of Noah so shall it be also in the days of the son of man they did eat they drank they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sowed, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven, destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he shall be upon the housetop, housetop and his stuff in the house. And let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. The Lord was speaking to his disciples saying, Hey boys, I don't want you to get mixed up with a sense of false security. I don't want you to get mixed up in self-indulgence. Because that's what they did in Noah's day. And then the door of the ark was shut and those who had not entered would not. And so he says plainly in this, be speaking of not to get mixed up in self-indulgence and false insecurity. He tells them, remember Lot's wife. What is he saying? He's saying, don't delay your flight from this world for any reason. Be proactive. Go. If I could conclude tonight with this, it would be the words of the angels to Lot, Lot's wife in the family. If I could ask us tonight to ponder and to remember Lot's wife, I would ask you to take the same words that she heard and that she received into your own heart, into your own life. As he spoke to them about the determined end of Sodom, I wish that he could speak to us to the angels about the determined end of the life and the world upon which we live. There were four requests given to them. Those angels to that family, they were these. They said, escape for your life. They said, don't look behind. They said, don't stay in the plain. They said, escape to the mountains, lest thou be consumed. If I could just sum it up in this, once you start this trip, don't you ever stop. You just keep on keeping on. Three words. If I could utter words tonight, it would just be keep on keeping on. If we bow our heads in this place right now. I feel the Holy Ghost right now on the close of this service. There are very three basic words that were mentioned there of the Lord to his disciples. And of all people he could ask them to remember. I think it was standing very clearly to us the reason why. He didn't want somebody to have a start that did not finish. He didn't want somebody to get in the middle of a deliverance that he had started for them. Angels set them outside of the city only for them to be deceived and somehow the wool placed over their eyes that they would look back for a longing 
to something that God had already delivered them from. <laughs> oh, can we just raise our hands right now in this place? Church, could you begin to pray? Men and women, all of us tonight, could we just begin praying? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.